Genesis. We're in chapter 27. As we work verse by verse through the, the Bible, we're in a brand new section or series of Genesis. really easy to break Genesis down. The first 11 chapters are the creation. Um, and, and the whole story, the beginnings, the beginning of, of man's sin, the begin, beginning, beginning, everything in the first 11 uh, chapters are about creation, universe, and all those things. And then chapters 12 through 25 are, are about Abraham. We just finished uh, several months, five months on Abraham. And now we've launched into this brand new section of Genesis as we work our way through. In the, the family of Isaac, so the promised son Isaac and his son Jacob, primarily Jacob. We, we get kind of Isaac's twisted family story tonight. Really interesting families in the Bible. And they're not perfect, and they're not um, uh, families that you would expect to read in the Bible. You might expect to see perfection in the scriptures, but this family, boy, they're upside down. Every one of them, they're, they're deceptive. No wonder Jacob is, is such a deceiver. He learned it from his mom and his father. And so we see that in his life, his grandpa, obviously. And uh, we're in this section called Jacob's Faith and Family, the series that we look at Jacob and his family. But tonight, a very interesting section here um, about uh, Jacob and his family, his mom, the birthright. This is a very uh, a story that you're well aware of. It's, it's a well-known story. And there's a lot of verses you're looking right now thinking, Pastor Lee, how are we going to get through this? Well, we're really going to burn rubber through this section. A lot of narrative, uh, some great application for us. But uh, I hope that you'll uh, enjoy it as much as I did today, just studying it. Let's ask God's blessing with our Bibles open uh, as we read and study the Word. Father, we come to your Word believing that it has authority in our lives and that you have a purpose for every word that's in it. You've inspired and, and uh, written every word for our instruction, for our knowledge, for our protection even as we read about mistakes that, that your people, that we make, and we can identify so with these people. I pray that we would read the story openly. I pray we would not just say uh, when we're done how bad as people were in the story, but that we would apply the story to our own lives. That we, Lord, would, would see the mistakes that are made here and, and not make them ourselves. Lord, help us to hear what your word says tonight as we open it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's, it, this whole section, again, is, is interesting. And like I've said, this is a messed up family. Uh, Father Isaac, he's going to bless Esau. But it's in opposition to God's will because he's, he knows what Rebekah has been told by God that the younger is now, uh, or the older is going to serve the younger. And, and he although knows that, but he tries to, to manipulate, massage, and make things go his way. And then Esau, he tries to take back what he's sold, what he's given away, he just has no spiritual life in him. He is a zero when it comes to spiritual life. He didn't care about the birthright. He didn't care about the stories of his grandpa. He, didn't, he doesn't care about any of that stuff. And, uh, and he he's just wants to 
you know, at the end of the story, he wants to kill his brother. Then there's Rebecca, mother, the mother here. She deceives her elderly, blind husband. It's, it's just messed up, this whole story. She wants the blessing to go to her favorite son. Mom and dad had favorites in this family. Another way to mess up your kids. Lots to learn, again, as we read this story. But uh, she is deceiving her husband. And then Jacob, he lies to his father, puts on a disguise. And you know the story. That's what we're going to look at tonight. C.S. Lewis once wrote this. He said, a little lie is like a little pregnancy. And think about that. These people are lying to one another. They're deceiving each other. And it's Jacob's lies that we focus on and see. He's, been, he's a con man, the heel catcher. It's a negative connotation. His name has con all over it. And we learn that he has learned these cons from his very own family. And so that's where we find ourselves in the very first verse of this chapter. Uh, we see a family of deceivers. But I want to back up just a couple of verses that we looked at last week in chapter 26. Let's begin in verse 34, just a couple of verses, because I want you to take note of Esau here. When Esau was 40 years old, chapter 26, verse 34, he took as wives Judith, the daughter of Burite, the Hittite, and Bezmat, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. Now, you'll remember that God forbade Abraham uh, to... Uh, actually pulling Abraham and Sarah out of Ur of the Chaldees, separating them from those pagan people. And then Abraham was very, very upset about his son marrying any of the Canaanite women because God had told him not to do that. Um, his son, his firstborn, Isaac. And so Isaac uh, has to wait till he's 40 years old and, and remember... Um, he, he gets his son from the family, from Abram's family. Uh, and Laban, we're going to see Laban in this chapter and the next chapter, the brother of uh, Rebekah. But Rebekah and Abraham are married. She comes from this place that's outside of Canaan. And it's very important to understand that there's separation here. And now we have... Um, uh, Isaac, and Isaac is um, getting old. He's, he's some, I don't know, he's a hundred uh, some odd years old. We'll see it here in the text. And Isaac doesn't know what to do. And Isaac is blind. And Isaac is getting old and, and he's about ready to die. But here we see in this first text that Esau, Esau here, it says when he was 30 or 40 uh, years old, he took these wives. They were forbidden uh, because they came from that area. And he just could care less about anything spiritual. Verse 35, and they were a grief of mine to both Isaac and Rebekah. So that's the point. You have to go into the story knowing that Esau is a zero spiritually. And then we come to chapter 27, verse 1. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. So some people say he had cataracts. I, I, I believe he was blind. He was old and he was blind. He could not see. That He called Esau his older son, 
And he said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, now I'm old. I don't know when I'm going to die. Now therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And make me a savory dish of food such as I love, and bring it to me that I might eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Isaac's about 137 years old at this point in the story. So it's not surprising to see that he's blind at this point, or at least has the cataracts that he can't see at all. And he's considering himself done with his life. He's got to move on in his life. But before he does that, he has to bless his son. That's his responsibility. He knows what it is. And so he's in a hurry now. I, I guess I'm going to die. Maybe it was because, um, you know, as a, a, an older man here, 137, maybe he's thinking that, that I just don't have very many years left, although he's going to live 35 more years after this. But he's thinking, I'm going to die, and so I'm going to bless Esau. And he's going to do it in a kind of a, a secret way here. And I say secret because it would be normal for the father to gather all the family together and then bless the family or bless that individual before the family so the whole everybody could confirm this blessing that's going to go to that family member so it's kind of they didn't have contracts they didn't sign things there wasn't um, uh, title deeds to trade property so they would do this verbal or oral blessing and then everyone would confirm it they'd know what the blessing was from uh, the father and so that's really what's going on he's secretive and he's sneaky here. And the truth is that this whole house is sneaky and secretive. Um, and I, I believe that Isaac knew what he was doing here. And he knew that it was wrong. I, I just truly believe that. I believe that he heard the story from uh, his wife, how God had come and told her that the older would serve the younger. I believe he knew that. And this is the scripture. We read it a couple of weeks ago. It's Genesis chapter 25, verse 23, just for your memory sake. And the Lord said to her, that's Rebecca, two nations in your womb. Remember, she was worried about all the activity when she thought something was wrong with her pregnancy. The Lord came and said, there's two nations, two people shall be separated from their body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And here's the prophecy, the older shall serve the younger. So Isaac knew that God's choice was Jacob, the younger. That was who he was supposed to bless. And he knew also, watching his older son grow up, that he was a spiritual zero. He knew he was a troublemaker. He knew he was a thug, as we're going to find out. As we get through this text, you'll find out what kind of person uh, Esau really was. And demonstrated in the verses we read, back in chapter 26, verse 34, where he had married Esau, you know, just blew off his parents and was disregarded God's command. He married two wives, Canaanite wives, and he could care less about his birthright. It didn't mean a thing to him. It was a spiritual blessing from God to grandpa, to his father, and now to him as the oldest. But he could care less about that. That's really the, the point that you need to keep in mind. He was a spiritual zero. In spite of all that, Isaac 
is going to try to manipulate. He's going to try to deceive now. So he's, he's secretly, he didn't call his wife, Rebecca. You can't see a thing. It's, it's like, Rebecca and, and uh, uh, Jacob, come in here. I, I, I want to bless Esau. No, he kind of does it in a secret way. And because he's trying to be deceptive, obviously, here. Maybe he thought, and I, and I don't know this, but maybe he thought God made a mistake. And this is his older son. And besides, I like my older son. But, you know, Rebecca has her favorite son, Jacob, and I don't talk to Jacob, but I can really talk to this man's man, Esau. You know, we're not really sure. But the family birthright for these people would include a double portion of property. They would get the, the bigger portion as the oldest son. And they would take the lead of the family. They would be the patriarch. They would be the, the chosen leader of the family. When the father died, the, the, uh, the oldest son would be the head of the family. And then the descendants of Abraham would receive the covenantal blessings that we've read about, the Abrahamic covenant, land, people, and a blessing to nations. That was the, the blessing. But the bottom line for this family is that they're, they're just upside down. They're selfish. They're, they all want to get their way. All four of them, we're going to see that in their lives. In verse 5, my next point here is we see Rebecca, mom's scheme. Look at this. Now, Rebecca was listening. She's eavesdropping when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it back. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, her son, notice that, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, listen, this is what I want you to do, Jacob. Obey my voice according to everything that I tell you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two goats, two choice kids, not, not children, don't, don't freak out when you read that, of the goats there, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. So Rebecca comes up with this scheme. It's kind of like you know, a spy from the CIA. She's listening in the background. And she's, she's already been thinking about this. This is a plan that she's had going through her mind for quite a while. She, she prefers, she has a preferred child, and it's Jacob. Remember, Jacob was a, a man of the house. He loved to cook. He loved to hang out inside. He was a domestic kind of a guy. Esau has a totally different personality. He loves to be outdoors, and he, he's a hunter. But Rebecca's inside, and she's listening to what's going on. And that word was listening in Hebrew. It's shama. is the word. Interestingly, it means not only to overhear or to hear with interest, but there's a suggestion that she was listening. She had done it before a lot. She had been listening and waiting and conniving and scheming this whole time for her time. This was a habit that she had to spy on her husband, to listen to what he said, because she wanted to make sure that birthright 
goes to her preferred son, Jacob. Now, and, and, and it's evident, obviously, how quickly she acts. She hears, he just leaves the house to go hunt. She runs back into the back of the tent or wherever they were and says, hey, we got to act quick. I want you to go outside. I get the plan. She had it all organized. She knew exactly what she wanted to do because Esau had hardly left the house. Rebecca was scheming already. And the plan was pretty daring if, 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 as you read about it here. I mean, Esau and Jacob, two radically different people, inside person, outdoor person. They had different dispositions. They had different physical appearance, way different physical appearance. And the way the Bible describes them, even when they were born, one's hairy, the other one's kind of fair-skinned. Uh, he didn't have much hair. He was just real soft. And so she's got this whole thing worked out in her mind. She's, gonna, she's got this plan. She's scheming for a, a long time. In fact, she's even got some props ready for her little drama. And here's where it comes in. Well, again, we're going to move quickly here. Goat skin gloves and a scarf. Check this out. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. Mom, Mom, I'm a smooth-skinned man. Isn't that interesting? Perhaps my father is going to, he's going to feel me, and I'll, he'll see me as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse on myself, not a blessing. And Mom, what are we doing here? So he questions her, but his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice. She has this thought in her mind that the ends are going to justify the means. She's doing everything wrong, and I, I, you really have to get that and understand that what she's doing is wrong. Now let the curse be on me. Let's just be deceptive. Let's, let's just, you follow me and, and, and obey me. Verse 14, and so Jacob went and he got them, the, the animals, and he brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory food because she knew exactly what her husband liked. So she made special food. She put in all the spices and all the things that, that Isaac loved. So here we have Jacob, Mr. Conman here, and he goes along with this deceitful scheme that his mother has put together. Now, as we study the life of Jacob, you're going to see this in his life. This is the... the elementary portion of his life that God has to work through. Who among us doesn't have a fault, a failure, a sin, something that we struggle with over and over, and it's just, it just, it's hard for us. This is Jacob. He's a con man. He's a liar. It's hard for him not to lie. And God is going to work that out in his life, and we're going to see that as we go through his life. God's going to be working, working, working until one day they actually have a wrestling match and God breaks his leg it's a very interesting story but it takes all of that in his life to, to work these things out I wonder how many of you have ever wrestled with God maybe it's not a physical wrestling match like Jacob had with God but it's something you that you spiritually wrestle with something that you just don't want to let God have but it's, it's real it's very real to you and you 
things. If you were taught something wrong and you're, you're, you come to Christ and you realize that it's wrong, but it's so ingrained in your mind and your habit, your daily routine, that it's hard for you. Other Christians might see it and they go, wow, I'm praying for him or her. She's really struggling with that. But, but for you, it's, it's just hard to give up. But God is going to get it. Listen, you need to give it up because God is going to get it. He's, he's going to take care of it. He's going to work his work in your life. And aren't you glad? I mean, this is, that's a great place for me. I'm so glad that the Lord will not give up on me. I want him to continue to perfect me. To be what? More like his son, Jesus Christ. You need that work in your life. Jacob, we're going to see that. But we're in the beginning of his life here. We're seeing his, he's a conniver, he's a schemer. And his mom, his mom taught him all these things. And Isaac uh, isn't, uh, he's, he's a guilty party as well. But this goat skin, gloves, and, and scarf that we see here, and he, uh, uh, Jacob says, you know, if he touches me, I don't feel like my brother. He, my brother, look, he's all hairy. He must have been an ape, you know. Must have been a gnarly dude, you know, that never showered or anything. He smelled a certain way, and he looked a certain way, and he felt a certain way. But his mom says, hey, listen, you just obey me. You, I got this covered. I got a scheme. I got a plan. I, I got these goat gloves in the background here. Uh, I love what she says here. So it says here that he goes out and he gets the animals. He brings them back in to his mom. Now, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree is what I put here in my notes because like father, like son, like mother, like son in this case, Isaac doesn't trust his wife. He's secretly talked to Esau, trying to work this out you know, without Rebecca knowing. Jacob, um, he tries secretly to give away his blessing. Rebecca didn't trust Isaac. This plan proves that, that Jacob and Esau, they, they don't even talk to each other. They don't, they don't like each other. They don't respect each other. Um, again, her plan to do all this just shows that she's as much a deceiver as anyone else. And these two children, I can't help but feel sorry for them, you know. Mom loves him and dad loves him and, and there's division in their household as a result. If you're a parent, it's, it's so important. I, I have five children, four boys and a girl. It's challenging at times. Sometimes one child's way nicer than another one, you know. When they're really little, they're so deceptive, aren't they? Do you remember your kids being really little? And it's your responsibility as a parent to work that out, but you have to work together. I remember so many times I would, I would say to my, one of my sons, pick one and it wouldn't matter, and I'd, I'd say, they would come to me, you know, and, and they're whining and say, you said this to mom, you need to go tell mommy you're sorry. And I would make sure they would go to mom and, and repent. We had to teach them how to repent. You've got to teach your children how to do that. If they don't know how to repent, they won't learn so that when they're in their teenage years or their early tw 20s, they won't know what repentance is. So you teach them when they're little to repent and you hold them accountable. You listen, you watch, you follow, and you make sure that they do those things. There doesn't seem to have been any of that in this household. Just a bunch of lies. They would lie about each other, deceiving one another. And both parents had their favorite son. After Jacob steals Esau's birthright, again, there's no discussion there. 
this whole family is filled with mistrust and lies and secrecy instead of honesty and openness. That's what God would have in our homes. So this mom, she's now going to disguise her favorite son. Look at verse 15. Rebecca took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau. So she goes in his closet and gets a bunch of Esau clothes, which were... Um, with her in the house. And so I believe that statement, with her in the house, meant she's been, over the last several years, getting choice pieces of clothing that'll fit her son. She's been planning and scheming this whole thing along. She's got them now in her house, these clothes. She hid them in, in preparation. It says, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. So she dresses her son, Jacob, in verse 16, and she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands. Those are the, the gloves, the, the gloves that she made, because his hands were, remember, they're all smooth. They weren't rough and had the gnarl and the dirt and this, all the hard effort and work you do with your hands. He, was, he did dishes inside. He had, you know, soft, supple hands. And so she put these gloves on him so that when that deception took place, that this man, her husband, wouldn't know it. It was the other son. Then she gave the savory food and bread, it says, to, uh, 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 that she had prepared into the hand of Jacob. And then she sends Jacob off to go and talk to his dad. Now, the application here is, what should Rebecca have done, really, when she heard, when she first heard this deception going on, she's listening, she's the CIA agent, she's eavesdropping on this conversation between Isaac and Esau. What should she have done? A godly person, a godly mother, should have gone and confronted him in a godly way, but she doesn't do that. She should have gone and spoke honestly with her husband. But to be silent about that, to be manipulative and conniving, really is to approve the sin, this, all the sin that's going on in the house. I believe there's something that you can derive from this, sisters. You can derive that you are to be submissive to your husband. Yes, the Bible says that. But not when he, when he asks you to lie. If your husband is asking you to lie, you're not to lie with your husband. You're not to sin against God, ladies. That's not a biblical submission. Biblical submission is your husband wants potatoes, and you hate to peel, but he loves potatoes. So peel potatoes. That's really what that is. Don't make a big deal about it. And love your husband and honor his desires and wishes. But in this case, she... You know, she's conniving, and she's, she's going to uh, go against him. And rather than to talk to him about it, you know, I heard you say this, but don't you remember what God told me? God told me that this is his plan. This was his will. This is God's choice. And I mean, by this time, she could have said, yeah, I'm going to watch an Esau. He's a big spiritual loser, you know. And, and she could have talked to him honestly. But she didn't talk to him, honestly. She didn't go, and, and she had a plan of her own. I have this little verse here. I think this is appropriate here. Paul, in Ephesians 4, he says this. And this applies to you, husbands, and this applies to wives. We're to speak the truth in love. When someone asks you to sin, it may be your boss. Maybe it's you know, someone that you're under their authority. 
you need to speak the truth in love. She should have done that. She should have spoken the truth. She knew the truth, but she hid the truth, and she manipulated her husband. She should have reminded her husband about God's plan. She should have warned her husband about the consequences of disobeying Almighty God. She didn't do any of those things. None of this family trusted God at this point. God's got a lot of work to do uh, in Jacob's lives. And here's the truth is, is we don't know what God's plan was to transfer the birthright to the younger. We don't know how God was going to do that. There's no indication in the text of how God would do that. But God um, said that he would do that. I need to make a transfer real quick here. This has never happened to me before, but my, uh, just to let you know, my iPad is really funky right now. And I always have a backup set of notes here, because I always thought that would happen to me. This is really strange. You'll have to see this. This is odd. No, that's right. I've got my notes here. So... Let me find out where I was here. I think we're in Jacob's lie now. Look at, let's look at Jacob's, well, wait a minute. Yeah, let's look at Jacob's lie. Verse 18. Verse 18 says, So he went to his father, and he said, My father. And Isaac said, Here I am. And who are you? Who are I? I can't see. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise and sit and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? Isn't that interesting? And Jacob, the con man, the liar, said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. Wow, that was quick, wasn't it? Very interesting. Isaac is, is blind, but he's not dumb. He has all his mental facilities, and he knows that if Esau went out to hunt, that he had to go way past the front door of the tent to find something, and this is happening way too quick for him. And Rebecca, she has planned this. She's ready to initiate her plan so quickly that it happens, and it takes Isaac by surprise. But she wants this birthright, and she doesn't want a chance that her son Esau will come back in and catch them right in the middle of their plan, cooking dinner and, and you know, talking to dad, smoozing, you know, the whole situation. And so she wants this to happen quickly. So she's moving everything really quick. And Isaac asks the question, you know, how, how did you arrange this? How did you hunt this animal so quickly here? And I believe that Isaac here is going to give these tests. We're going to see these tests, and I don't have them uh, put up on my notes, but real quickly, you'll see them. They'll emerge very quickly. He gives five different tests to his son, and Jacob here, he's trying to take advantage of the blindness of his old father here. But here's, they, they come really quickly here. The first test here that Isaac gives this son, that he's not really sure who he is right now. Now he says, how is it that you found it so quickly? And so he lies, and he says, because the Lord your God brought it to me. And then the second test is there in verse 21. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you 
uh, my son, whether you really are my son or not. So he wants to touch him. And this is, again, one of the tests. And then the third test is his voice, which really fails, by the way. Notice this in verse 22. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and he said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy. Remember the gloves, the goat gloves? Like his brother's hands. And so notice what happens there at the end of verse 23. So he blessed him. And then the fourth test, verse 24. Then he said, Are you really my son Esau? And Jacob said, I am. He said, Come near to me. And all ye of my son's game, so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and Isaac ate, and he brought him out wine, and Isaac drank. Now again, the same way Jacob has tricked Esau out of his birthright, Jacob now is tricking his father out of blessing through this food, right? Through cooking. He's doing the same thing. The fifth test that we see here is smell. This is interesting, verse 26. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. And he came near and he kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. And so Isaac has given him these five tests of the, the senses. He's given these five uh, tests here about his sight, sound, touch, smell, all of these different things he's testing here. And J. Vernon McGee said this in his commentary. He said, even the dulled senses of an old man could not miss the smell of his son. Isaac, in the final ana analysis, was led by his nose. I love that, that thought there. He's been totally deceived by all of these senses at this point in his life. But I think the important note here is that although he's been tricked, Isaac has tripped um, I mean, Jacob has tricked his father in this situation here. God has already made the choice. Um, it's not a blessing that's coming from a man. This is a blessing that God has already chosen. God has already decided who he's going to bless, the younger and not the older. God had already chosen that. And what mattered is that God said that. He said it back in chapter 25, verse 23, the older shall serve the younger. Not that Isaac made this blessing and said, okay, well, you're going to now be blessed. It, it wouldn't have mattered if he would have done that because God had already made his choice. But here's the blessing. We get it here in verse 28. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you, and nations bow to you. Be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. And cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. Now, the elements of the blessing are very standard here as you read them. Uh, there's land, there's authority. They're very similar to the other blessings. But notice here 
how Esau responds. Now he comes back and, and he's going to respond to all of this that's been going on in verse 30. Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob. And Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also had made savory food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? So he said, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. Then, verse 33, Isaac noticed what he does. He trembled exceedingly. And he said, Who? Where's the one who hunted game and already brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I've already blessed him, and indeed, he shall be blessed. Now, the trembling of Isaac here is, is what I think we're supposed to really see and observe. I believe that his trembling is not because he's blessed the wrong one. I believe that he's trembling because he knew God's command and he was supposed to bless the younger. But he tried to, I know this sounds odd, but thwart the will of God. I mean, can anyone do that? We think we can. And I think he thought he could. He could get away with this. He was going to bless his favorite son. But when he hears that he's already blessed the younger, everything comes back to his mind. And he starts, he's in terror. He's like, oh, God has intervened. I'm in trouble. I, I believe that's what his trembling was there. He was afraid for his life. He was afraid for his family because he had lied. He'd been busted in a lie. Now, the writer of the Hebrews says this in Hebrews 11. I think I've got this verse. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. And so the question is, at this point in the story, where is Isaac's faith? And the answer is at the end of verse 33, and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. Isaac had faith to bless. He knew what he was supposed to. He just didn't do the right son. He chose his preferred, his, his, his son, his choice, his favorite, rather than obeying God. Again, there's some lessons we can learn about obeying God and trusting the Lord and doing the right thing. It's easy to sin. It's easy to do your own choice, your own preference. It's always harder to obey God, wouldn't you agree? But when you obey the Lord, when you're in obedience to his word, when you're in obedience to his ways, his laws, his moral law, when you're obedient to that, God will bless. Holiness, not happiness. God's goal in your life is holiness, not happiness. But when you're holy, you'll be happy, right? When you're holy, you'll be filled with the joy of the Lord because you're obedient. And plus, this is the wonderful thing about God, is that when you're holy and obedient, and you're filled with his joy, I have liberty. I don't have guilt anymore. When I connive, when I manipulate, when I do it my way and my preference, you have to look over your shoulder, right? You have to go, boy, is God watching? What's going to happen? And you'll end up just like Isaac, trembling because you did your own thing in disobedience to the will of God. So much better. And the liberty just... It's so wonderful to have a liberty. In other words, you're free from sin when you're in obedience to God. Verse 34, when 
Esau heard the words of his father. Notice what he does here. He cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. And he said to his father, Oh, bless me, me only, my wife, Ollie. He's crying. But he said, Your brother came in deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob, supplanter, con man, manipulator? That's, that's his name, remember. For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now, look, he's taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? And the truth is, Esau so quickly sold his birthright because he had no spiritual, he could care less about God. He just gave it away. I was like, I'm hungry. I could care less about anything spiritual. I just want food. And so he sold it for a bowl of, like in the King James's pottage or New King James stew, for a bowl of pottage. He sold his birthright. In verse 37, then Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made him your master, and all his brethren I have given to him as servants. With grain and wine I sustain him. What shall I do now for you, my son? I have given him all away. And Esau, verse 38, said to his father, Have you only one blessing, father? Is there anything less? Bless me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice. Not only did he cry, but look at what it says. He wept. The question is, do you believe that his tears were tears of repentance or were they tears of personal loss? See, I believe it was his selfishness and now he wouldn't have this land, this double portion, this the affording home. That's what he wanted. He could care less about the spiritual things, the spiritual aspects of all that. There was never one ounce of remorse in him. He was only weeping because of his own personal loss. There's no mention of his repentance here. In fact, the writer of the Hebrews calls Esau some interesting things. He calls him perverted and ungodly. Notice what the writer says here, and I've got the scripture behind me, lest there be any fornication, there's porno, or profane person like Esau, profane or ungodly. So he's, he's perverted and he's ungodly. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for, notice, repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. It was all a shame for him. He was, a, he was a liar. No spiritual life in him, no repentance at all. But he wept before his father here. Isaac does go on here, and you'll see he gives a limited blessing to him. Look at verse 39. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be from the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. And one of the commentators brought this point out, and I, I really like what he said. Um, it was uh, Barnhouse. And he said this, where it says, you, uh, Your dwelling shall be from the fatness of the earth. He translated that from the fatness, not 
shall be of the fatness, but from the fatness of the earth, meaning that, that he's now not going to live off the fatness of the earth, but he's going to be sent into the desert. He's going to be a desert dweller. He's going to live and derive his sustenance from the desert. He's going to be a desert person, and he was. He ends up in the desert of Moab, and that's where he, he, he goes. So, very interesting, again, verse 40, he says, By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother, and it shall come to pass, when you become restless, that you shall break his yoke from your neck. In other words, there'll be a time when you'll be independent of your brother, but it's, it's going to be a battle. And then here at the end of this text here, verse 41, we see Esau's death threat. He's going he's to kill his brother. He threatens his brother. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. And as soon as my father dies, I'm going to kill my brother Jacob. Verse 42, in the words of Esau, her older son were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau confronts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Listen to me. I don't know if I'd listen to her again. Listen to my voice. Arise and flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away. Verse 45, until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. Wait a minute, Mom. What you did, this was your plan, isn't it? This whole family is twisted, aren't they? They're blaming each other. It just goes on and on. And, uh, let's see, then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, verse 46, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth like these two are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? I mean, he, he really despised Esau's wives there. It was or she did, pardon me. So these closing remarks of Rebekah here at the end of the story are really interesting. Because her sins now are exposed. And the thing, she loses, this is, this is unreal. She wanted to gain a son in inheritance, but she loses both of her sons. One leaves because he's, he's so mad he wants to kill his brother. And then the other one has to leave because of the threat of being killed. And so she doesn't have either one of her sons. In verse 44, the, the few days, it says, just, you'll just be gone a few days. But the text, the, later on in the scripture, you'll find out that when Jacob goes down to Haran, he's there for 20 years. And he actually becomes a slave of, Haven, of Laban because he wants to, he gets this one wife and then he, has, he, he works for Rachel. And we'll get that story as we, we go further in the text. But all of these things that are happening, even in her life, because she lied to God, because she was conniving, that now she is, is in a place where she's in great sorrow. She's lost her, her sons at this point. So I wonder how Rebecca and Isaac spent their final years. Now that they know that he was trying to connive without her knowing, and she had 
brought, brought forth his grandiose plan to deceive him. Can you imagine? He's going to live for another 35 years. What was their marriage like as they lied to one another? Their kids are gone. Isaac is old and he's blind. She lost her son. She paid a high price for her scheme. And the only time that we see her name again in the book of Genesis is in chapter 49 when she's buried in Milkpah. Remember that place that, that uh, Abraham bought for Sarah? So they're, they're buried there together. That's the only other time she's mentioned. Jacob is the one we're going to follow through. He's a con man. He's a liar. When his blind father says, who are you? What did he do? He lied to his father. He lies and he says, you know, the reason I have this game is because you're God. You're God. He, he blessed me. He provided me. And now I want you to bless me. He lied again about that. And then he caps the whole um, twisted episode with his father getting real close and kisses him on the cheek, remember? I mean, this family, they're all deceivers. Jacob is a deceiver, just like his mom. Like son, like mom. I mean, we always say father and son, but in this case. So let me just wrap this up really quick. A couple of lessons. There's a law, Old Testament, New Testament. It affects you today, just like gravity. It's a very interesting law. It's a spiritual law. And it's called the law of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, the things that you do, lies that you tell, deception, manipulation, it's gonna, you're going to grow this. It's going to start growing in your life. Paul said in Galatians 6, I think I have this verse up here, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Listen, the ends never justify the means. As believers, we need to obey God's word. We can learn a lot from this story, but moms don't be like Rebecca. Married couples, a bad example. Parents, bad examples all the way around. God's goal was to bless Jacob, and God did that. But it was wrong for Rebecca, it was wrong for Isaac to manipulate the whole situation for, because they thought they could work it out. And we've already seen how that destroyed, I mean, it really destroyed Abraham and Sarah because they had Ishmael and destroyed the nation, I mean, even today. When you try to help God out, it's, it's always a bad plan. God's work must be done God's way. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the word tonight. I thank you, God, that as we look and as we study, um, as we read, there are things, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will bring to our attention, to our mind. And I, I just pray tonight, I have no idea what you're saying to these, your people. I know what you've said to me. I know the things in my heart, Lord, that you have, have really brought to my attention. And I pray that as Christians here tonight, that each one of us would really listen to what the Spirit is saying through the Word. That we wouldn't see this as, as just a, a, a narrative, a story about a twisted family, but, but that we would see ourselves in the story. Forgive us, Lord, if, if we've been a part of, of lies to our loved ones. 
manipulating to, to get something that we want done rather than what you want done. And Lord, the conclusion of, of it all was just disaster for this home. Just disaster for each one. And so we pray, Lord, that you would teach us from this text. Help us to grow. Help us to be more like Jesus. Forgive us for our sin. And we give you thanks and praise, Lord. In Jesus we pray. Amen.